Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this at the very end of December 2021. And welcome to episode 65, learning about procedures, patterns, and relationships. Listeners, we have a great episode for you. First, we want to give a shout out to a new friend on Twitter. His name is Roger Fisher, and he got into a thread with Ryan's episode that we did. Yep, that was episode 63, learning about thinking classrooms. And Roger had two things to say about it. One, he says, I love, love, love the idea of slow reveal word problems. What a great opportunity to get students to be curious and to ask questions. Seriously, so good. Right? And then the second one was, he quoted you where he said, it's okay if kids don't get an answer to a problem, end quote. Oh my God, yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Uh, and I think I got that from Berkeley, right? Who, so it's just, it's everything. And Jenny. Recycled. And, <laughs> and Jenny. And, and yeah, so many people. But it's so true. It's, it's okay. And as teachers, we have to be okay with that. That it, sometimes that's not the point. It's not the point to get an answer. It's just the point to do the thinking. That's, that's the important work that mm-hmm. needs to get done. So there it is. And wow, you just sparked so many things in my head. But the first thing I want to tell our listeners is some good news. Thanks to my mom, my son, my best friend, and her boyfriend, I got a stack full of books for Christmas. Yay. You did. I've already blown through two of them. One is Chasing Rabbits by Sunil Singh, which I already loaned out to one of my friends. And the other one is The Writing on the Classroom Wall, Steve Wyborny, which I finished today. And Karina, I already told you I'm dropping this off at your house because- yes. Wow, wow, and wow. Well, I got three other math books along with some other non-mathy books, but one was one of the books that we talked to Berkeley about, and it's Extending Children's Mathematics, Fractions and Decimals, Innovations and Cognitively Guided Instruction. And listeners, you know, I'll put everything in the show notes, which when my mom gave this to me, she was like, yeah, just what every person wants, right? (laughs) Totally. Another one is Power in Numbers, The Rebel Women of Mathematics. And the other one is Mathematics for Human Flourishing by Francis Sue, which has been in my Amazon cart for a while. So I'm super excited about reading all of these. And listeners, I'm going to write a blog post. What? Yes, I know. Karina's so happy. So excited. I was thinking I might even write a blog post for each book. That's a great idea. Yeah, maybe. So be on the lookout, listeners. And speaking of books, I was just telling you right before we started recording that Matthew and I watched this show on, well, we watch it on YouTube, but because it's a, it's a show from Britain and it's, it's called Countdown, but the, it's comedians that do it. But basically it's so cool. They have word puzzles and number puzzles. And the woman who does the solving of the number puzzles, her name is Rachel Riley. And she just wrote a book 
called At Sixes and Sevens. And I, I just discovered this just like two days ago. It re- was released on October 28th. And I'm really kind of excited to look into it a little bit deeper because it just talks about having that that math anxiety and and how to be more flexible with numbers and from the from the sample pages that I read it sounds like everything we discuss so it's just so cool to just see it in in, in another you know in another book she's not a math teacher is she no she's she's not a math teacher but she is a math i forget what she's she's i mean she is incredibly smart um which I know we don't usually, you know, we don't say that word, but we, but she is so, she's like intelligent. She's very educated and has a lot of uh, math background. But when she started doing this job, she wasn't, she, I think she did, she found herself not being as flexible with numbers. And then that kind of started her on that, on that path of number sense and being flexible with numbers, being on this show and being, being the math person on this show. It's it's just, it's all really cool. Okay, well, your birthday's coming before mine, so maybe <laughs> <laughs> I get that for you and then I borrow it back. There we go, that works. Okay, listeners, we have our eighth guest. She's one of our very good friends and she happens to be sitting right next to me. Her name is Elise Gordon and we, we've known each other for at least 10 years. 10 years now, I would say. I yeah. Guess. Because I that's hard. that's as long as I've been a math coach. This is my 10th year as a math coach or 11. Maybe it's my 11th. I don't even remember anymore. Anyways, she's one of my good friends that I just call and we just talk math. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to introduce you all to her. And Elise, go ahead and you can tell us anything you want us to know about you. Well, thank you for having me because I listen to the podcast and I... I find myself trying to jump in because we've had so many conversations and it's like, and I can't participate. So today I get to participate. Yeah, you do. You you text me. That's true. That's true. I can't let it go. When I listen to them, I'm like texting to you what my thoughts are, but um, because we always have such nice conversations. Mm -hmm. And so as far as like, um, I think of math, it's more of teaching is like a journey. And so this is my second profession. And I had, I was a, am a physical therapist, but I did that for about 20 years. And then when my son was in school, I just was amazed at how quickly he learned things and uh, how engaged he was in learning. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll become a teacher. And my husband <laughs> was not happy with that decision. And um, <laughs> he's like, what? Because I, I, you know, I was making good money. I was well-respected. I had a good profession. Oh, wait. I, one, two, three. Yeah. yeah okay. Well-respected. That's the, that's the one the that's one. hard to walk away from. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't realize it until you're on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so I don't regret switching professions. I, um, it's always there. I maintain my license. I did work uh, in the summers and winters for 10 years after while I was still teaching. Um, I would make a joke here because you needed the second income. Well, you know, (laughs) it did help. It did help for sure. Uh, The thing about, I always thought it would be an easy transition. Mm -hmm. Like I had so much math and science and it 
it's not <laughs> because I have a lot of science background. Math was not my, like, uh, I never struggled in math, but it wasn't my strength. Mm -hmm. I like, yeah. you know, science when I was in elementary, like reading and history were my favorite subjects. I, but I had good math instruction. I wouldn't say great math instruction, but it never limited me. Mm -hmm. I was good and, you know, did well in college and, of course, got into physical therapy, which, you know, you had to have pre-calculus. But when, then when I started teaching, my whole journey has been like, how can I make this easier? Because these children aren't learning this. This is awful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is, I, you know, I started teaching fifth grade. I taught fifth grade two years and I was appalled at the level that they struggled. Mm -hmm. I had never seen shutdown before. And, um, like, just like put the brakes on, stop. I'm not doing this. Like I'm putting my pencil down and I'm done. Yeah. Right. At, 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 that's the good shutdown. I've right. seen the major shutdown also yeah. where there's crying involved. And yes. so, you know, that's how they're in fifth grade. Right. They're 11. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and look at the impact that has, will be on their future at this yeah. point. And so that's what strengthened me in my journey of trying to find, how can I do this better? Mm -hmm. How can I get them engaged? How can I meet them where they are and move them forward? And mm -hmm. so that's what, that's what all our conversations are all the time. How can, what did you do? How can you <laughs> get past this? How did you, what did you use? And so, and also I've always used, I always knew this was true and I still maintain it like I always stick with build, draw, write. If they can build something, if they can draw it, and then they can put some abstract um, numbers mm -hmm. on it, that's progress. So I've always worked from there. If you can't build it, if you have no idea, if you have no visual idea of what you're doing. Game over. What's that's why happen? there's shutdown. Exactly. Like you have no picture in your mind what I'm talking about. I am speaking Greek to you. Yep. So I've been, a, I taught fifth grade for two years and then I was in a lab and a math lab and they came to me on a rotation and we did hands-on math activities and trying to build and or support class, the classroom where they didn't have the opportunity to do any of that. So that's what I did for a long time until COVID and now, <laughs> and now, now I do Whatever, but I still try to support students doing better. We call that other duties as assigned, right? I've done everything. Yeah. Last year I taught kindergarten. Virtually I taught fourth grade. And uh, kindergarten, build, draw, write. I mean, that is beautiful. We were best yeah. friends. When, they, when I walked in the room, they all cheered every day because Aww. it was fun. Right. And right. that's what, I mean, that's what you want. Yes. Because you were giving them experiences and opportunities to struggle and learn the math. Mm -hmm. And have fun with it. And have fun. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I know that we talk a lot about a lot of different things, but one thing that I know that we wanted to talk about was number relationships. And when we started talking about this topic, you and I were both talking about it as patterns, but then you said, no, it, it's built more towards number relationships, but even prior to patterns, you were talking about procedures. So give us a little more insight onto 
whatever it is you want to talk about. Because I listen, listeners, I love having conversations with Elise. Okay. We go in all different directions, but we, we'll try to maintain the course. Rabbit holes, Karina. Yeah. Yes. Seriously. I think we started conversing and having conversations when we started that book club uh, right yes. before I, I was in fifth grade. Like when, when I was right. that, that summer, I was prepping to go into fifth. And I know I, I, yeah, it's always been really beneficial to talk it out with you and you have also great, such great ideas. So I, I'm excited for our talk today. Now, you had a reflection that you wanted to share on one of our previous episode, episodes. Right. Um, Debbie Perry, mm-hmm. our very, very, very good friend, um, she did counting collections. And yes. I've done counting collections in the lab. I, it was always something I did, and I would introduce it in our uh, – used to run the PLCs for math and would always introduce it and try to encourage it to occur in the classroom, As but I always did it. And so this this year I got to do it again. So I did it with second grade. Then again with third grade, we did it with powers of 10. So it was really very, like I've done it so many times in so many different ways, but I did it this time looking at it with the AMP third graders. I do AMP third grade and um, they did powers of 10. So I gave them a ton of erasers. I had this big bag of erasers yeah. And um, unlike Debbie, Debbie's very organized. I, I'm not so organized. So I just dumped it on the table. And I was, and I, and so I said, how many do you think are here? So we did an estimate first. And yeah. um, they're, they're, they're all over the place. A hundred, they're uh, 200. Um, some are trying to count them. And then, I mean, I, there's a lot. And <laughs> yeah. so I said, all right, we made our estimates and I just dumped, they worked in pairs and I had six or eight kids in the room. And so I just dumped a bunch, but I did put the tens frame pieces out. And so they saw the tool immediately. So they're like, we can organize them by tens. They set to work on that. But then this leads into the patterns and relationships because they were putting in them on the tens frames. But some of them were like putting all the tens frames together or some were trying to organize by color on the tens frames. And then I had to clarify. I said, I want to be able to walk by your table and be able to see how much you have immediately, quickly. And so that they had organized it in their minds, but it was all together. And I'm like, how many do you have? And then every time I went to each group to how many they'd have to recount it again because it was not organized in the sense of that you couldn't see it quickly that it was a 10. There was so many of them. So then they organized them and they knew. And so then I walked around again and they're like 110, 125, 130, uh, 200. So then I was like, all right. So they got organized. They said, all right, let's put it all together now. And and so they were like, well, we can just add it. I'm like, no, I want to be able to look at it and know how much you have quickly. Like, oh, so they're carefully carrying all these frames over to one table with all the erasers on it. And then again, it's disorganized in the sense that it's in tens, but um, how are you going to count it? And trying to get away from that, even counting by tens into, there was over 400. So even counting by tens, it's prone to error. Right. So then they're like, oh, we could put it in hundreds. Boom. 
Then they saw the tens frame in a hundred, and then they had the leftovers, the tens, and then they had the ones. Wait, you got to hear this part of the story. Elise already told me this. Tell Which them what, what they did with the ones. Oh, that's old. Every time I've done counting collections, like when I give them big collections, when they have yeah. the ones, they just like throw them away. Like I've literally, you had to stop kids from putting them in the garbage. And they're like, what? <laughs> oh why, are you, why are you throwing that away? And they're, they say, because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit in the tent. What? <laughs> <laughs> So just get rid of it. Yeah. Like they'll hide it. They'll put it on their chair. Oh my gosh. I've seen that happen wow. every time I've done counting collections, even if it's like kindergarten with a small amount, you know, say it's only 22 things. Right. They'll take the two, boom, gone. They want that clean number. Wow. Wow. Have you ever said to them, what if it's dollar bills? Would you throw them away? Have you ever said anything like that? Money nowadays doesn't oh, right. really because they don't know what money is, so doesn't right. resonate like mm. it resonates with us, right. <laughs> maybe because we have no. a lack of it. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but so I'm wondering if it's the same with I mean division too. They don't know what to do with the with the remainders, mm-hmm. right? It's like what does these what do these remainders mean? They don't mean anything, right? They're just these last two pieces. I don't. I've know s- I've seen that look like what what yeah. is this? You know, but talking about remainder, um, flipping over into fractions, um, I'm like, watch this. This is one of those mic drops okay. when they do the division. And then I say, put your remainder over your divisor. Yes. yes. Like what? Right. That's, that's a big moment. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I tell them that's too, a relationship. Yeah. Yes. Now that we're going, getting into fraction operations, right, is that you actually you you still want to take if you do have two pieces left, you're still taking those two pieces and you you still want to divide them because that's what the question's asking you to do, right? So we still have to divide it. And again, it's it's seeing that that fraction line means division. So if you have two fifths, right, you are still dividing it. Well, so that was um, bringing it back because I got off track again. But um, that was my reflection for counting collections. I'm like, sorry. You, it's you've, still. You've heard our podcast, right? We go <laughs> down rabbit holes all the time. It's still like Debbie introduced me to counting collections mm-hmm. and yeah. I'll never go back. I'll never not do it. And I keep finding new, like just now the powers of 10, because that was the lesson for mm-hmm. fourth grade and yeah. third grade powers of 10 mm-hmm. and leads so much into fifth grade. Right. Yes. It really is eye opening that it's, it's the build of the powers in 10, not base 10 blocks. Right. It's more powerful than base 10 blocks because base mm-hmm. 10 blocks to them are meaningless. Com- right. Yes. Completely meaningless. Yes. Oy, oy, oy. To us, it means a lot because we understand the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. They don't. Like you still have people in third grade that will count the 10 on the right. rod. Right. I'm like. Right. Because they don't understand. Right. It doesn't mean anything, which is why craft sticks and rubber bands make so much more sense because each craft stick is one. You bundle a 10. There's your 10. Bundle 10 tens. There's a hundred, so on and so forth. Right? Yeah. Makes a little more sense. Or the blank tens frames. Right. And then it's 10. Yep. Okay. When you were talking, I just want to say, I heard two of my cute little sayings come out. One, I tell the kids all the time, keep your work organized. Mm -hmm. And two, estimate before you calculate. Mm -hmm. I think if we can get that 
saying out more, the estimate before you calculate, that's just going to help our kids build so much more number sense, right? Mm -hmm. With whatever they do. And I want to say something about that also. Because of COVID last year, usually in the morning, my room, we have reflex math. So the third graders will come in and they'll do their reflex math in the morning before the bell rings. Uh So I have a morning math group working on that. And it's a lot. I usually have 20 to 25 kids, but because of COVID and my room was a breakfast room that was out of the window. So I did estimation clipboard every morning with Mm -hmm. the kids when they were eating breakfast and um, they loved it. And so they were eating breakfast and I would just pull up Steve Wyborny's estimation clipboard and they got really good at it because they come to breakfast every morning. We did that or we did which one doesn't belong. So we just had a fun breakfast morning time. No math anxiety, no pressure. I mean, it was just fun. Yeah. (laughs) Like eat your breakfast and try to do it. You know, estimation clipboard. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And due to COVID, I've, and and Laura, you and I have talked about this. Number talks have been difficult not being all together on a carpet. You know, it really loses part of the magic, I feel, Mm -hmm. when you're not in an an area together. I don't know Mm -hmm. what it is, but it's that, it's that carpet gathering that is so necessary in a number talk. So I've kind of, I haven't done number talks as often as I usually do in previous years. However, Steve Wyborny here for the win because I've been really doing a lot of the cube conversion ones, knowing that this is what's coming, right? Volume is coming soon too. And those are are usually really difficult for kids to see three-dimensionally how something looks, you know, two-dimensionally. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. How those three-dimensional cubes look. They want to count all the faces that they see, mm-hmm. and they don't always count the ones that are way in the corner because they can't see those ones. Mm-hmm. But th- this has gone – like we've had such great conversations of how they see the, the cube the cube shapes. And I know I'm really excited for that unit because I feel like my kids will have uh, like an edge. You know, right. they'll be – they'll actually – they'll be able to see it in a whole different way. So we're not talking about volume, length times, width times, height. We're talking about what do you see and and hopefully they'll get to, they'll create, they'll get to the formula themselves. Again, opportunities Mm -hmm. and experiences that you're giving to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Correct. And uh, through that conversation too, when we're doing them, we're creating our own equations. So they're showing all the different ways. And we've talked, we've already talked about order of operations, how we can put grouping symbols right Mm -hmm. around what we want to multiply first or add first, and then we multiply. So like things, so many things have come out of just that simple number sense routine. So Mm -hmm. it's just been great. And this year, Steve Wyborny, I've been doing with the AMP kids mm-hmm. almost, I won't say every day, but probably at least two or three times a week, we do the estimation, estimistries. Oh, estimistries, yes. Oh my gosh. They, they, yes, so they'll good. They them, love those. They will, they're like, can we do another yes. one? Can we do another yes. one? I'm like, well, we do have to do some other things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Same. And the same thing is happening in my class too. Same thing. Yeah. They love them. Right. And um, the, the nice thing is, is on some of them, they have the hundreds chart that you can eliminate the numbers. And so mm-hmm. some of them, they don't. So now they're going to the board. And so a recent one was on multiples. And that's just what we've been doing in the, with the AMP. 
multiples and factors. Mm -hmm. So they were writing out the clues were the, it is not a multiple of nine. So they're writing all the multiples of nine and they're writing out all the things and then eliminating it's organized. Yes. Right. It's not a random guess. They're eliminating. And then they, and usually there's a clue like, um, it's not an odd number. And again, we have this conversation of odd and even yes. because yeah, they still don't. There's, I w- I'll say it's minimal, but sometimes people lapse. <laughs> and the the other one, the children, I don't say any, the children will say, no, remember, or no, it's odd because. Oh my God, or, yay. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That it's the kids doing the yeah. ladies, I'm telling you, we are all going to be reading the writing on the classroom wall because everything you're saying, I'm legit, I'm holding myself back to something I literally just read in Steve's book today. <laughs> like I can't I can't thank him enough. I even wrote like I bought the the mm-hmm. how to make estimistries and how to make estimation clipboards. Mm-hmm. And I did make some, but his are way better. Mm. And he has so many of them. <laughs> I'll pay for them. I don't care. The kids love them and they're so good. Yeah. And we have yeah. such good conversations. And it does lead to procedures and patterns and, and um, relationships in the sense of the procedures are what's taught. I'll put <laughs> quotations taught, but they don't, you don't need a procedure until you need a procedure. So it goes away, right? So if you start understanding patterns, that's what I always yes. tell the kids. If you can see a pattern, you know what's you know what's going to happen next. You don't need yeah. to figure anything out. You know the pattern. Mm-hmm. And so then from the pattern, you can start seeing relationships. Yeah, how do right. these numbers or shapes or the things that are happening in the problem, how are they related to each other? Yeah. So that's why Steve Wariborny is brilliant because he hooks these things together. So it's almost innate. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you might need a procedure to figure something out, but I, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. My thing that I've been telling the students is this year, it's just really like, it's just something I keep repeating, but it's let the numbers tell you what to do, right? They're just so quick to jump in and do a procedure or do the steps. And I'm like, no, stop. Look at what the numbers are, 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 look at the relationship between the numbers first, because that's going to tell you what, what is the best thing to do, right? So a perfect example is finding equivalent fractions. A lot of time kids just want to jump and change both fractions. Well, sometimes you don't have to change both fractions. Sometimes if you have one half and five eighths, well, if you notice that one half can actually be written as four eighths, that's all you need to do, right? Right. right. So that you have, you find that. And so it's just about looking at those at those numbers. And it's the same thing with any kind of operation that we do. When we have 203 minus 197, why would I want to do the standard algorithm when those numbers are so close together? Yeah. All, I can, all I need to do is count up, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So again, just letting the numbers tell you what to do. And I'm trying to let them see that, that it's not about just do the steps. It's about looking and noticing those patterns. And it's hard. It's hard for them because they just want to jump. Right. They want to get an answer. Right. And so going to fractions, like 
this is where we're living in uh, in fourth grade and uh, third grade AMP will be in fractions soon. And I've been helping with fifth grade, but like fourth grade and fifth grade does a whole number by a fraction. And so yes. the procedure is just put the number over one, the whole number over yes. one. That's a procedure. Yes. They don't know why. They just know. And, and, and part of the reason is there's lots of reasons. One is you have X amount of time to teach a huge concept. Another right. is it just works. And why am I going to cause all this confusion when this just works? But that's the dog chasing the tail because they don't know. It only a procedure only lives as long as they can use it. They can use mm-hmm. it when they're out of context. If it's not exactly what the what they practiced, right. they don't know what it means or how to use it. So yes. that goes into procedures, patterns, and relationships. Like it's a whole number. It's a whole number. If you understand what fractions are, like I think they would find out, oh, it just makes sense that it would be over one, but it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't make sense to them. Right. Mm -hmm. They just, they're just doing it because they have a whole number times a fraction. So I put the fraction over one and I multiply the top and the bottom done. Boom. I'm so good. Yep. And then they get into higher math and then they're like, wait, am I supposed to butterfly here? Am I supposed to like, they're trying to remember a trick because they don't have that solid foundation at all. Right. So, um, so that being, you know, that's a procedure. So follow the progression of a whole number times a fraction. If you put that in the area model, it works. And uh, that's what I made on the jam board and sent out to you guys. Okay. You can use the area model with that and that will build yeah. a visual model. And then they go to a f- um, fifth grade goes to a fraction times a fraction, which the overlays work beautifully. And that is an area model. And you can use yes. shading with colored pencils. And then you've got a mixed number times either another fraction or another mixed number. But th- the area model works beautifully. You, yes. can, you can turn, and that's what I did in the Jamboard. Mathematically, you can turn them into fractions greater than one and multiply them because they know multiply the numerator, multiply the de- denominator, boom. But what also stops them is the magnitude of the number. The numbers get very mm-hmm. large very quickly. So now they're, mm-hmm. they never really mastered multiplication. Right. And so they're making errors in multiplication. Whereas if you keep it in the area model, the, yes. the numbers are easier to manage. Yes. And that is by far my favorite way to, even now, like if I have to multiply mixed numbers, I'm not, I'm not changing and converting them into fractions greater than one. No way. I'm using the area model Mm -hmm. all the way. Because then Um, you also have to switch it back to a mixed number. So now they got to divide. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. Forget it. Forget it. Right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Why, why go through all that trouble when all you, you don't need to do it. It just, it's not necessary. Yeah. Two things. Can we have permission to share your Jamboard with everyone on our show notes? Sure. And I'm also going to link the video that I sent you to of James Tanton's area model Mm -hmm. video, because if you have not seen that listener, please take the, it's maybe 10 minutes, nine minutes, seven minutes to watch it. I think it's under 10. Yeah. So, so powerful. He kind of is like, well, here's all the reasons why we shouldn't teach the area model but it's really him proving why we should teach the area model. Okay. Like all the arguments that we've heard and all the resistance 
to it. Um, he shows why that argument is, is not valid. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I really believe in, in fifth grade math, like it all comes down to the area model, everything, area, 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 right? Like just, it's, it's just, it's all of it. It's area. Because you've got it's decimals, so fractions, yep. you've got yep. area, right? Yep. <laughs> Doing area. Yep. And then and volume, starting a volume, which is really just repeated area, right? right? That's all that is. Right. So it's, yeah. It's Let's master everything. this concept. That's a concept. Yes. that that's a, that's a relationship that will help you navigate math, not this year, but the rest of your life. Right. I mean, yeah. being able to see and and break apart and use numbers to your advantage rather than struggling and, or you can't do it because you have no concept of what you're doing. You're just, you've forgotten the procedure. Yep. If you right. lose the procedure, you're gone. There's nothing you can yeah. do. Yeah. And just like the distributive property too, a lot of times the way it's distributed, like I can't see it. So I always tell the kids, put it in an area model and see if those parts are, make sense the way that the question or the answer is presented in the answer, right? right? Is in the answer choice because then you'll see it. Oh, well, that doesn't make sense because the side is, you know, flip-flopped or whatever, whatever the situation is. But it just always goes back to area. It really does. That's what I found. Yep. Which I, I would even argue that it's a fourth and even a third grade selling point. I mean, I know we do a raise in third grade and we start going Well, they do area. area. Right. But fourth grade is really where it should be solidified. Right. So that when the kids get to Karina in fifth grade, that should be a no brainer. You know, we're going to use the area model. Like, yes. And I understand algorithm in the sense that it's a procedure and sometimes maybe it might be quicker, but I loved his argument that, hello, we are all carrying around a calculator. We yes, don't need exactly. to practice multiplying 167 times 52 right. a million times. Why do we need to do that? I mean, right. Guess, right. Guess what's faster than the standard algorithm? My phone. Right. <laughs> like that's, I, I don't need anything else. You're right. No. But exactly. the, also when I started learning it, of course, which was not in my schooling, no way. I mean, it was standard algorithm all the way. That's I learned as a correct. teacher, I started being able to do it in my head. I never right. did them. You know, I was good at math, but I was good at procedures. Mm-hmm. Yes. I never was a mental math person until I learned how to do mental math now. Yes. And that's what we get mad about with the kids sometimes. Like, show me your work, show me your work. And they say, I did it in my head. Now I'm coming around that I have amp kids, right? I'm right. some of, I'm not saying I'm letting it go, but some of them, right. I know they did it in their head. Mm-hmm. They can explain yeah. it to me. They can tell me exactly what they did. Sometimes I have to say, okay, okay, stop explaining because they'll go through, well, I broke this apart and I put these two together and then I did this and the, no, like, okay, I understand uh, it. I have to jump in now because Steve's book, Why Warney, The Writing on the Classroom Wall, one of the things he says is he stopped saying, show your thinking. And he started saying, show and tell your thinking, because that's Mm. what it's all about. It's not just, let me look at the piece of paper, right? It's not the outcome. It's the whole process of your thinking is what we want to know. Right. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times, 
I like that a lot. But a, a lot of times when I say, you know, turn and talk, yeah. they jump right to the answer, right? And I'm like, no, no, no. Don't tell the answer. Right. <laughs> tell how you got there. I don't, we don't care about the answer. Tell how you got there. So say. That's what's important. Say, okay, the answer I'm is. Say show and tell. Right. No, just right. say the answer is 496. Tell how you got it. Like, right. Well, right. I, mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the answer is because it's just a, it's just a question that I, you know, went on top of my head and I just, right. you know, threw it out there. But. Um, because that's not the point. It's that they, you know, I, I do want them to tell me the answer, but I want them to create a consensus. But when I have them turn and talk, it's not about the answer, right? It's about them explaining how they got to the answer. So it's just a, a little shift in what they view as math class, because to them also, they've grown up in a culture of answer getting in math class where it's give me the answer, give me the answer, give me the answer. That's what's important, right? Yep. Uh, so it's just kind of trying to shift away from that. And let me spoon feed you how to do everything. Here's how to do right. it. Ugh. Yes. Okay. First of all, Elise, we cannot thank you enough for coming on. And we know that we can continue this conversation for hours and hours. So definitely, would you come back? Would you please sure. come back? Thank you. Yes, please come back. And listeners, your challenge this week is we're going to put out a interest survey for our next book club. Uh, Karina doesn't even know this yet, but (laughs) I'm giving you a thumbs up. I really, really think that we need to dive into Steve Wybornie's book, The Writing on the Classroom Wall. So listeners, if you can go ahead and let us know if you're interested or not, and then we will figure out the time and place uh, that would be Google Meet um, as to when we could start it. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.